This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, welcome into the Stink of Truth podcast. I am your host, Mark Schler, along with my co-host, Mike Evans. Uh, Millennial Ben producing the show. Always great to have you guys on with us. Want to uh, thank all of our sponsors. Uh, well, one of our sponsors, uh, great folks over at Superbook for America's Best Bet. You can trust Superbook on that. Also, Stinking Good Green Chili. Um, you can check that out at stinkinggood.com for all your orders. So, anyhow, Mike, how are you, buddy? I am so excited because this week is Hall of Fame week with the Hall of Fame game. And the Hall of Fame ceremonies, mm-hmm. which means, Mark, we have football uninterrupted until February. How good Glorious. is that? How good Hallelujah. is that? Right. The Hall of Fame game kicks it off. As a matter of fact, you know, that's the first game I ever played in. It was a Hall of Fame game. Um, playing for Washington at the time, we played the Buffalo Bills in Canton, Ohio. And, you know, going first off, going to Canton, Ohio, right, the birthplace of football. And, you know, as a football guy, as a kid that grew up loving football, um, I mean, it was just it was just something to be able to go. We stopped at the Hall of Fame. We got to go through the Hall of Fame. You know, looking at all the guys that you grew up watching, your idols, and to think, man, I'm going to start my whole career, like, right here. Um, also, it was my first road trip. And it's where, um, it's where I learned two vital games, uh, you know, two vital games that um, that I carry on to this day, traditions in the Schlereth household from my good friend Dave Harbor. Dave, if you're listening, man, thank you. I love you. Uh, Dave Harbor was a uh, Dave Harbor was a uh, a long snapper for us, and you know, a backup offensive lineman slash long snapper for Washington, and. I learned the circle game pretty much from Dave. Maybe I knew the circle game already, so maybe that one's not it. But one staple in the Schlereth household was the O'Reilly game. Dave Harbor taught me. He taught you the O'Reilly game? He taught me the O'Reilly game. And it was there on that first road trip that I learned the O'Reilly game. And for those of you who don't know the O'Reilly game, don't really, haven't haven't followed the O'Reilly game, it is something that... I played as a member of Washington. I played as a member of the Broncos. I played as a, you know, I played with my own family. We played on our on daily our show. morning show. And, and we, and you can't, right now, we are so dialed in to the O'Reilly game. As a matter of fact, I saw my former fullback, Howard Griffith, this weekend at the Fox Summit. And so Howard and I hugs, you know, catching up on families and everything else. And I told Howard, I go, oh, the ultimate. I got the ultimate O'Reilly game on Detron, the other, uh, not the other day, but a couple of years ago at, at Terrell Davis's uh, golf tournament. He goes, oh, no. What'd you do? What'd you do? And so so here's how the O'Reilly game works. I state something that we both know is false. So, like, I would play in the huddle, and I'd be like, 
you know, um, let's say that ACDC back in black was playing. And I'd be like, oh, dude, this takes me back to my high school wrestling days. This is my favorite Nazareth song. And, you know, Tommy Neal would turn to me and go, this is Nazareth. It's, black, it's back in black from ACDC. And I'd get right into his face, just like face mask to face mask and go, oh, really? Right? So you want to get, you want to state something that you know, both of you know, yeah. both of us have to know it. And you state it intentionally wrong just in hopes to get the other guy to correct you. And then you give him this really stupid, sarcastic face. You get right into his face and give him the, oh, really? So anyhow, we're warming up on the tee box. I'm telling Griff this story. Warming up on the tee box. I start walking down across. The, everybody's, you know, serious, getting ready for their golf outing. And, and Detron, I notice, is our fullback. He's our backup fullback, but he's a special teams maven, Right. And he's down at the very last, you know, he's at the very last tee box for the warm-ups, you know, the, what, what, on the driving range. So I come sauntering down. I see him. He recognizes me coming down. We hadn't seen each other in a couple of years. And so as I get approach him, he puts down his club to come give me a hug. And he goes, Steak, what's up? And I go, Griff, man, it's great to see you. And his face just goes like completely like, oh, my gosh, he doesn't know who I am. And he goes, it's no, it's me, Detron. And I got right in his face and go, Oh, really? And we were laughing so hard, like we like people were irritated with us. We're at this really nice course, you know. And it's and so Griff, I was telling Griff the story, and we were howling. We were at the at the seminar. We we're just having a great time. So the O'Reilly game came from the Hall of Fame game. I learned it from Dave Harbor and passed it on to generations. Of uh, of football players. Wow, so I have Dave Harbour to blame for all this. You have Dave Harbour to blame for all of this. But it's the first game I ever played in the National Football League, so I was really excited to play, right? And, you know, the funny thing is my parents, being from Alaska, flew down to Canton, Ohio. I'm sure they had to fly into Cleveland and, and drive up to watch me play in this game. And many, many years later... Uh, they admitted that the only reason they came to that game is because they thought it might be the only game I would ever play in <laughs> in the NFL. And they Poolside wanted, with a ringing endorsement right, for his son. They really wanted to see uh, their little boy uh-huh. playing an NFL game. So that was that was the whole scenario. Uh, it was great, though, man. Got a chance to, to play in that game. I was the backup center to Jeff Bostic. Um, you know, he played the first quarter or whatever, and then I played the rest of the game. And, and actually played really well in that game, and and so, you know, you know, you're on that roller coaster as a rookie because you'll have a good day like that, and you're like, I'm making this team, and then the next day you'll get your ass kicked, you know, and you'll you'll make a couple of mental mistakes, and you go, well, I'm packing up my bags. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of my whole rookie year. That's the roller coaster that you're on, but um, really a, a really great time and a really cool. Uh, cool opportunity. So football starts tonight, man. Football the, starts. Uh, we starts got on, on what is tonight? Uh, Thursday. Th- we're doing this Thursday. So it starts Thursday night, yeah. man. I'm really excited. It's a, it's a big Hall of Fame weekend, and um, you'll be there to watch one of your Super Bowl teammates, Steve Atwater, go in. But it's it's also it's the weekend that, that Peyton Manning goes in. And, man, when you think of the, 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 the really handful – of players that have come through this league that have really elevated, changed the game, you know, left left a mark on the game in terms of what they did. Peyton Manning's got to be on that very, very, very short list. Well, think about think about this: just the iconic figure that is Peyton Manning. 
who right now, I mean, right now, regardless, is more iconic and is more the face of the NFL even now, five years after retirement, than Peyton Manning? He's become the NFL's Michael Jordan. Right. That even after being done playing, he still transcends the game. Right. He's got the jump man. Yeah. Except, you know, he can't jump. He can't jump. No. Peyton can't jump. What would be what would his thing? He like the Michael Jordan has the tennis shoe, the jump man on the tennis shoe, right? <laughs> yeah, right. What would Peyton's Peyton's would just be the splotch on the forehead. Right. From the helmet <laughs> from the helmet splotch guy. Jump. Splotch guy. Yeah. Splotch man. Right. I mean, who like <laughs> who is a better endorser of the league? Who carries more weight? Who like who is more iconic right now than than Peyton Manning? I, I'd be hard pressed to say anybody. You know, you think Him and about Brady, right? Well, you go back though. You go back in time, like you know how um, you look at the NBA and, and the NBA logo logo, right? Jerry West, right? You look at the the and or, you look at the, you know the Jumpman tennis shoe and and what Michael Jordan has meant to Nike and you know all the things that he's done. Like I think about, you know, I mean Joe Namath still, you know, he was he was that kind of iconic figure for a while. I don't know that anybody has represented the NFL more than Peyton Manning has over the course of his career and in his post career. Like we saw him at the Broncos practice. We went to the Broncos practice yesterday and he pulls up, you know, and I mean it's like it is like that's Peyton freaking Manning. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. it's it's amazing. So the guy's done a phenomenal job. As in regards to my former teammate Steve Atwater, so excited for Steve Atwater to get in. You know, the smiling assassin they call him. Um, he was. You you want to talk about a dude that roamed the defensive backfield and just intimidated the crap out of players. I mean, the iconic Christian Okoye hit up the gut where Atwater just rejects him um, all the way to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 32, the end of the game when he knocks out himself, Randy Hilliard, one of the Green Bay Packers. You know, I mean, just these iconic plays, iconic person. Um, you know how he got his nickname? Like, you know what we called him? We called him Lumba. Lumba? Lumba. Like, like. And so lumber, like lumber, it's shortened version of lumber. So when you say a dude's bringing the lumber, right, it right. means a dude's like you say. A lot of times in the NFL, the common vernacular is that guy's bringing the wood. Yeah. So when you're bringing the wood, you are just absolutely lambasting people. You are knocking people out. So when he was a rookie, that yeah, you know, he was drafted in '89, the same year I was drafted in Washington. He was drafted here in Denver. And so in his rookie year, he got the nickname Lumba. And and this is how this is so football. This is so this is what I love about the locker room and I love about like like how guys get nicknamed and how things stick. So he was walking around with his chest puffed out because he got the nickname Lumba. And he thought, you know, the guys have I like my reputation precedes me, right? right. They saw me in Arkansas just right. knocking fools out. I'm a out. bad man. Yeah, I'm a bad mother. Hush your mouth, right? So he's walking around with Lumba, and uh, 
and you remember uh you remember Chick, right? Tyrone Braxton. Tyrone Braxton. Yep. So I'm I'm talking to Tyrone. He goes, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know, Tyrone. He goes, he thinks he thinks he got it because he was bringing the wood. We called him Lumba because he was stiff as a board. <laughs> That's why we called him Lumba. So he's walking around with his chest puffed out. It really turned out dude is stiff. Uh, but listen, man, I could I could sit here and and regale you with stories of one of the finest players I've ever had a chance to play with. But I'm telling you what, as good a player as he was, a Hall of Fame player, and, and you know, this is a cliche because a lot of people will say it, but when it comes to Atwater, it's 100% true. One of the greatest people I've ever been around. Our kids went to Montessori. My youngest daughter went to a Montessori preschool with his kids, and um, and they've remained friends. Our families have remained close. He's just one of... He's salt of the earth, one of the best people, best husbands, fathers that you will ever meet. And um, their family is tremendous, um, treats everybody with respect, with kindness. Um, he's the kind of guy that um, that represents this league the way it needs to be represented. You know, you think about when you describe Steve Atwater, and I guess I could also include John Lynch in this conversation, two great guys, two mild-mannered guys when you talk with them away from the football field. Right. And you get an appreciation, or for me, it's really almost a a sense of wonderment. Wow, there really is something to the idea that when you get out on that football field, a switch is flipped. Whether consciously or subconsciously, you flip a switch. Because you're you're talking about these two safeties who are going into the Hall of Fame because they were just horrible. Holy terrors out there. Right. Playing on the edge, over the edge, at, at a level that just doesn't necessarily translate with what you experience when you get a chance to talk to them away from the field, where they're so calm and easygoing. You're like, my mind can't wrap around what you're like now and what I know you must have been like on the football field. And you know, it's it's interesting, John Lynch. So I was at the Fox seminar this weekend and um and you know we were we were having our you know our seminar and then we were honoring um you know some of the guys that got inducted in the Hall of Fame that are part of the, the Fox family you know Jimmy Johnson's yep. going in John Lynch who worked at Fox before he went on to be the GM of the 49ers so you know we had a little video tribute to both of those guys and it was really fun it was really cool to watch and uh, Charles Woodson as well um as part of the Fox family now so Got three guys going to the Hall of Fame, you know, and it's really cool. But it was so funny, the highlight reel that they played at John Lynch. Every hit was illegal. Like, every hit, (laughs) every single hit would have been fined in today's game. And I think one of the interesting things is going to be, you know, you you always go about rule changes, and some of them are really not, uh, real innocuous, you know, like, whatever. Like, now... You know, on kickoff, you can't have less than eight guys on essentially in that 10 yard window, kind of on the line of scrimmage on kickoff return. But you used to be able to put 10 up there. Now you can only, the max you can put up there is nine. So one guy has to be deeper. And, you know, it's to, I think it's to open up onside kicks, give a little bit more of an opening to onside kicks. So, <laughs> anyhow, you know, some of the rules are like that. And you're like, yeah, whatever, no big deal. It's not like we ever talk about that, anyhow. But one of the interesting rules is the only place you can cut is in the tight end to tight end box. So think about 
two tight ends on each line of scrimmage, right? Whether the the guy is there or whether it's a ghost tight end. So that that formation on the West Coast is called solo. So two tight ends is solo. So from the outside hip of that tight end to five yards beyond the line of scrimmage and five yards behind the line of scrimmage, that kind of rectangle is where you can cut. You can't cut anywhere else on the field. So now it becomes like kickoff return. So why is that important? Well, think about I'm an offensive lineman. I'm pulling out, and I've got the assignment of kicking out the corner. In, in the past, those corners would come right up to you, running right at and then they cut your legs out and make a big pile and force the running back to cut back inside. You can't do that anymore. You have to take on that pulling guard or you have to avoid him, right? And so a little different now all of a sudden. Or bubble screens. You know, they throw the little bubble screen out there and you back off the ball, you catch it, and then the guy on the outside comes and, and basically cuts the defensive. You can't cut him anymore. Or how about you're assigned to an outside linebacker and you're a slot receiver. You motion in, like you get into, into a you know, wide formation, you're an F receiver, you motion down, and all of a sudden you're basically in charge of that linebacker. And before you could, you know, if you're if you you can cut you can't cut him. You gotta stay up on him. Um anywhere on the football field. You you can't cut a you can't cut a safety anymore. You gotta stay up on those guys. It's like it'll be an interesting rule out in the field. And they did it because over the last year, or over a five-year period, ACL injuries and Achilles injuries were up last year 33%. Now, some of that is because you had no training camp, you had no off-season conditioning programs, you had nothing. So I don't think guys were in, quote-unquote, football shape. But 33%, that's a, a huge number. So that's going to be that's going to be a really interesting like that's going to be a really interesting change Mike where all of a sudden you're out there you break a a bubble screen and you go remember all the bubble screens when Peyton Manning who's going to the Hall of Fame when, when we were here in Denver yeah, and he yeah. was throwing bubble screens to Marius Thomas yeah. and Marius Thomas go 80 yards all of a sudden there's a cut block out there out there beyond the tight end block that 80 yard touchdown is coming back that's a 15 yard penalty man personal foul well, it's going to be great if you're a Colts fan. Uh, it's going to be a fun weekend. You've got Peyton Manning, Edron James going mm-hmm. into the Hall of Fame. Right. Tough times right now for the current Colts. Uh, first, boy, they had, they had it so good, and they thought they were just going to have a seamless, hey, we go from Peyton to Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck retires unexpectedly early. They take a gamble on Carson Wentz. They took the gamble understanding that Carson Wentz, with an injury history in Philly, and now another injury. Right. Out five to 12 weeks, and you talk to a doctor friend of yours that says, ah, it's probably closer to 12. And he had Quentin Nelson to that. Yeah. Well, I, I think it, I think at what point the doctors always say five to 12 weeks? Like, are you repairing a fridge? Like, you come over to my house. To <laughs> Wait, work, the cable repair guy? Right. To work on my sub zero? <laughs> we'll give you a window. We'll be there sometime between noon and 6 Boy, p.m. Don't you hate that? Oh, right. God. So you're going to be locked to your house yeah, from right. noon I to can't six. Move. What is five to twelve? Yeah, my uh, my good buddy who was my roommate in it was my roommate for the for Washington, and then um, you know played ten years of professional football and then went to Harvard Med. He's way smarter than me. What have you done with your life? Well, nothing. <laughs> um, anyhow, he was like, "Nah, stink. That's a twelve week injury. That that rehab is going to be twelve weeks." And so, 
Like, I don't know what you're going to do. I mean, right now, Nick Foles is the third quarterback in Chicago. He's kind of lobbying for, you know, because remember, he was the guy who came in the last time Carson Wentz, when, when Carson Wentz tore his ACL, he comes in in 2017 and leads Philly to a Super Bowl championship, yep. right? It was great. So Frank Reich was his was his quarterback coach coordinator, um, you know, under Doug Peterson, the head coach. And so they've got this great rapport. They understand each other. He's essentially open, openly lobbied for that opportunity. Um, I don't know what Indy's going to do. I really don't. Phillip Rivers is throwing his name in the hat, but he's saying he's going to coach high school football until the season's over, and then he'd be open for a return. So he's getting himself into shape. Um, hell, with nine kids, I think I'd want to be back in camp, but, you know, <laughs> That's me. Oh, honey. Got to go to work. Got to yeah. go to camp. Oh, camp. Got to get to camp. Ooh. <laughs> um, so, I, you know. Yeah, I, right now they have Jacob Eason. Fourth round pick out of uh, Washington, I believe, right? So, mm. they got to do something. And, you know, Foles, Foles is just kind of collecting dust there in Chicago where right. Justin Fields supposedly is uh, dazzling everybody. You know. I, I, and we, you know, we're here in Denver, and one of the great uh, what ifs was, wow, the new general manager George Payton could have drafted Justin Fields, who was who was dropping in the draft. Right. Instead, he took Pat Sertan, and then uh, ultimately Chicago moved up to trade for Fields. So it's a big, you know, whoa, did you pass on, you know, potential greatness? Potential greatness, right. and and there have been reports coming out of Chicago how great Fields looks. To which my response to that is, do you expect anything different? What 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 do you what do you expect? Do you think do you think out of New York you're going to hear reports? Boy, Jets really are disappointed in Zach Wilson, right? Or reports out of New England? Boy, the Patriots really think they made a mistake in drafting Mac Jones. You're not or, or out of Jacksonville. You're going to hear reports. Man, this Trevor Lawrence isn't all he's cracked up to be. Of course, you're not going to hear any of that. Right. Of course, these these quarterbacks who are projected to be the franchise saviors, nothing but. Good vibes coming from them. Uh, yeah, a- what do you expect? A- a- absolutely. And, and before I get into it, I want to uh, rec- uh, recognize uh, not only Stinking Good Good and Chili uh, as a sponsor of the show at stinkinggood.com, also Mark's All Pros, reestablishing Mark's All Pros. Uh, check it out at marksallpros.com as we're rebuilding um, uh, a great referral network. But back to back to your back to your fields comment. Yeah, that's exactly what you're going to get. Here's the other thing. You know, the one thing that you can read as a fan or the one thing that you can see as a reporter that doesn't have a script in front of him, that doesn't know what the concept of the play is or what the guy's supposed to be reading and all that stuff is you're going to see athleticism. You're going to see big throws over the top. You're like you're that's you're going to see a great scramble and extending a play and making a big play down the field. All that stuff is so easily visible and it's the easiest thing to comment on. Oh my gosh, did you see that throw? I mean, Trey Lance makes one throw where he, you know, climbs the pocket, scrambles left, and throws a dime down the football field, and all of a sudden, that's they're going to end up starting Trey Lance. I mean, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, he's not good. And and so, I mean, that's what that's the easiest stuff to see, right? And I get that 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 it's easy to see, but. There are so many other nuanced aspects of playing that position. Think about what you have to know as a quarterback. All right? So 
Well, I get in the huddle. I walk into the huddle, Mike, and I'm going, all right, all I need to hear is, so if we call if we call the play, so if we get into, hey, uh, we're trips right nasty, H left outside, two jet, branch Buffalo on two on two. All that stuff that was said, you know what I'm listening for? Two jet on two. That, everything else, I don't give a rip, right? I don't have to know that the X is running an eight-yard stick route and the back is motioning outside of him, that H left outside, and he's running a go. And the tight end in trips is running a through, and the F receiver is running a pick curl, and the Z receiver is coming down in that, and his tag route is what they call a now route. So it's an underneath route underneath that pick curl, and what you're trying to do is look to the tight end to the now, right? And you, that's those are the two guys you're really looking for, right? And so, you know, and, and then it, so it probably goes one, two, and then or or now is one, tight ends two, and the and the and the uh, branch route is three, like whatever that three man combo in the middle of the football field. So you don't have to go the outside guys. You're not even concerned with right. those guys are just filling up space and basically trying to trying to take away you know coverage. But now, as a quarterback, you have to not only be able to spit that out in a timely fashion, then you have to understand each individually tag route that I just explained. Then you have to understand two jet, like we're going to turn weak to the left. And, oh, by the way, you know, we've got those three weak, but what if a fourth guy comes up off the edge? Can I readjust the protection? Can I slide past the willbacker or the nickel guy or, you know, slide past the wheelbacker to take the nickel guy? Or can I slide past, past, you know, like, do I redirect the protection? Like, where am I hot? What if the mic comes? Do we have that picked up or do we not have that picked up? Well, we're in empty, so we don't have it picked up. So now I've got to be alert to that guy, right? And so you've got to know all this stuff. And if a receiver gets in the wrong place, you're like, no, 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 no. Tighten down your split. You're running the, you know. All, all the this- while knowing that the moment you say hot, Bad men on the other side of the uh, line of scrimmage are looking to crush right. you. And you got so now we're picking out. <laughs> hey, what if that when that back goes out, do they just kick it, oh, or do geez. they does a linebacker go with him? Because if the linebacker goes with him, guess what? We know we're in man. Which linebacker is it? Does the will linebacker go? Now we adjust the protection. Say, can we pick up Mike or do we want to pick up the nickel? Right. All these things are going on for a quarterback to see. Amazing. What am I thinking? Do jet. I got that guy. Right. right? <laughs> I got my guy. I know we're sliding to those two. I don't know what your problem is, yeah. but I got my guy. You got all this stuff going on that you got to be you 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 got to you got to be dialed into, yeah. right? It's it, there's a ton of stuff to know. Um and, and for the quarterback, and then you got to snap the ball, and then you got to execute. You got to you got to look at your pre-step. Hey, did, like I said, did somebody go with the back? Okay, that's an indicator of man. Did they just kick it? Well, that's going to be a zone. So what zone are they in? Is it single high? If it's a single high, it's going to be covered three. If it's too high in a zone, it could be quarter, quarter, half. It could be quarters. It could be t- covered two. Uh, you know, all this, like that, you know how much stuff you got to know? And as you're describing all that, Mark, two things pop to mind. One, I have newfound empathy for these young quarterbacks and just the sheer volume of what they're trying to process and why they must feel like just completely overwhelmed at times. And I have a newfound appreciation and awe for the quarterbacks who play at the highest level that they've mastered all this. 
that they can process it. And then, by the way, you know, what you see pre-snap and then what they play post-snap is usually different than you anticipate. And if you're in a play-action situation, man, you're turning your back to it. So what you saw pre-snap, you turn your back, you look back around, and they're in something completely different. you got to be able to process that instantly and make the right decision. There's a there's a lot there's a lot that goes into it. So we'll see. You know, Fields throw one deep, and you're like, oh, he's the greatest thing ever. This is why. This is why. Oftentimes, it takes time. And oh, by the way, you're coming from a system where you clap your hands to get the ball. So now, cadence, the rhythm of offense. People never talk about cadence, Mike. Cadence is one of the most important things there is to establishing the rhythm of an offense. And so if you don't have a good cadence because you've never worked on your cadence, guess what? You can't run your offense with a bad cadence because it ruins the rhythm of the offense. So, I mean, there's just, there's a lot, a lot of stuff. It's what makes it fascinating, and it's back, and it's back for all the way through February. Oh, Buckle up, everybody. It's going to be fun. Yeah, buckle up, buttercup. It's on, baby. Hey, for everybody involved in the Stink of Truth podcast, for Mike Evans, myself, Mark Schlereth, thank you to Millennial Ben for editing and putting this thing together. Um, Want to thank the great folks over at Superbook for America's Best Bet. You can also check us out on uh, on uh, Mark's All Pros at MarksAllPros.com, putting a great referral network together. And uh, also Stinking Good at StinkingGood.com. For Mike, I'm Mark. We'll talk to you guys next week.